unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Hello, Misfits for Life. It is January 2023. Can you believe it? Happy New Year. Hope you guys had an amazing, amazing holiday. Hope you had a, an amazing New Year. Truth be told, I had a great holiday. I went to uh, to Chicago with my wife and my family. Had a great time. I avoided getting sick all the time I was there. And then I came back. And as, uh, as a result of my being worn down a little bit, I got COVID. So no, I'm not going to infect you. But uh, I am sitting here in miserable shape. But I'm here because... I enjoy doing the show. I love doing the show. And more importantly, the guest that I have tonight is going to knock your socks off. It's actually going to be an incredible interview. So if I have a little brain fog, if I stumble on my words, forgive me. Uh, I am a little bit miserable right now, but I'm super excited to bring you this guest tonight. And just want to uh, wish you all an amazing new year. You know, it's the start of the new year. And when we think about the new year, we think about the new you. I was just talking backstage with uh, one of Mario's friends, Robert. We were talking about, you know, new year, new you. And the thing I encourage about you guys the most, you know, when you think about the new year, what are some things that you can do to really get out of your own way and be able to have the life that you really choose to have? And in today's show, we're going to be talking about how we can eliminate fear, how we can increase our confidence and how can we, how can we shift our perspective about our past, present and our future to really see that life is happening for us, irregardless of what is going on in our life. And to see that there is, there's the beauty in the challenge because through the growth that we have, that growth causes us to be able to go on to do better things and bigger things when we get outside of our comfort zone. So the thing for this year, I encourage you, encourage you, if something is, is if you're afraid of something, if something scares you, if you've been apprehensive about it, take this year to really go after that because, you know, life is short. Life is, life is super short. And I want to see you guys out there being successful. So whatever I can do is your no excuses coach, please reach out to me. I'm always here for you. I've got a couple of slots for coaching. If that interests you, of course, you can always hit me up and uh, just appreciate you guys all being here. We got Robert in the house. What's up, Robert? Happy new year, brother. Hope you're doing awesome. I appreciate you being here already. And we're just going to have a great show. So tonight, I'm just going to get right into it. Tonight, um, the guest I have, I recently met probably a couple of months ago through my coach, uh, Sally Anderson, the great Sally Anderson. So thank you, Sally, for watching. Um, she said, you know, she's always introducing me to people. And she says, you got to meet this guy, Mario. He's just a tremendous soul. And I think you guys really get along together. You guys have a lot of similarities. And I think he'd really enjoy meeting you as well. So I was like, okay, cool. And anybody Sally introduces me to, I really take heart to, to develop those relationships and foster those because I trust and respect Sally a hundred percent. And so we had, uh, Mario and I started having a couple of exchanges on emails and then we had a, a quick, um, uh, interview chat, like a zoom chat just to see, uh, get to know each other and whatever, and to be on his show. And we just really got on really super quick. And I just really was looking at this gentleman and saying, how does this guy have so much energy and so much enthusiasm and so much beauty about his life? And was really curious about getting and digging into that. And as a result of our, of our initial relationship, he was kind enough to send me these books, his two, his two books, uh, the true price of freedom, which is his recent one. And then this one, blood soaked soil. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, it takes me a while to read books. You know, guys, I host a book club. If you're ever interested in joining that book club, let me know. Um, but I'm, it takes me a while to read books, but fortunately, since I've been sick and I think this is why COVID happened for me is I was able to read these two books, uh, since last night. And I just got to tell you guys, fasten your seatbelts, get something to write uh, notes down with, because I, I know I tell you this quite often, but this is truly an amazing individual who has overcome and, and survived through so many horrific experiences in his life, both personally and, uh, and professionally. 
that I really want you guys to take to heart what he is saying, because it's the same things that I say. I talk about resiliency and confidence and, and getting through those difficult challenges and not to look back on your life and say, the reason why I can't do something is because this, that, and that. The reason why I am doing something is because this, that, and that. So think about that perspective shifts. And with that, we're going to welcome to the Ron and Scripted Show, Mr. Mario Beckus. Mario, what's going on, brother? How are you this afternoon, <laughs> this evening, this morning from uh, Australia? Chris, that's correct, Chris. Thank, look, first of all, thank you very much for having me on your show. I'm encouraging everybody who is, you know, following the Chris, feel free, you know, like, guys, every his show is a, is a, is a new chapter for all of us, particularly for me. I met the Chris, as, as I mentioned before, to the mutual friend and the coach, amazing Sally Anderson. And the beautiful thing it is, Chris, that uh, you today displayed something what most people will not admit, and that's the courage. Courage is is as well, you know, necessary to be the coward. But the courage today you're displaying is to having the COVID, having the sweating your ass. You I, know, I'm literally like, sweating right now. <laughs> Look, I know that feeling. And, uh, you know, having me, regardless and despite all of your, you know, uh, uh, disadvantage of having the COVID, and, you know, people are usually, you know, when they're sick and have a flu. And men's flu, it's the most hardest thing on the planet. You agree with me? So, like, <laughs> I do I do not do sick very well. My wife is really impressed with me because normally, normally I'm not, normally I don't sit down. Normally I don't lay down, but I've literally been in bed for like the last four days and wow. just take it easy on myself. I don't want to, I don't want to stress out my body. I'm getting a little bit older now and I don't want to be one of those superheroes that says I can do everything and also knock out and then, you know, wind up having. No, I, admi I admire, I look, admiring you, admiring <clears throat> you. And thank you for me, you know, thank you for having me on, on, on your, on your show, Chris. So like, you know I mean? Let's go jam, you know, bro, you, you, you are, you are for me, like, you know, the highlight here. I mean, so like, that's the good. Thing. Oh, come on. You say that to everybody. No, <laughs> <laughs> You butter everybody yeah. up. But yes. the thing I got to tell you about, Mario, the thing about Mario, the thing about you, Mario, sorry, my brain is like all distorted, no, okay. is meeting you. You're such a, a effervescent person. You're so positive and you're so loving and, and wanting to help and wanting to change the world and help humanity. And then after reading your books, I have so many questions. I literally don't do, and this is honest, people, my, 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 my viewers don't know, my viewers know this is that I normally don't do a lot of research on my guests. I, this, this show is called Ron and Scripted for a specific purpose, just to get to know somebody Ron and Scripted. Like we're, you and I are sitting at a bar, we're sitting in a coffee shop, yes. having some Turkish coffee, which I don't think I could ever stand. Um, and you talked about that in your book. I'm sitting there going, oh my God, that's probably nasty as hell. Um, but just, just being able to have you here and to be able to highlight some of the stuff that you've been through is truly remarkable. So I just applaud you in everything that you've done. I, and in that research, you know, I've come up with probably about 20 questions. And normally I come up with like three or four questions in my brain. Like, oh, this is, this is the way I want the interview to go. But there's so much I want to know about you because you're such an exceptional individual. You and I had this conversation. We were talking about, you said, Chris, tell me your story. And I can see you were a little bit like, what's this guy about? And I tell you my story and I spend like four minutes telling it to you. And you sat back and you're like, normally people don't impress me because he goes, but you told, you told me, he goes, I'm thoroughly impressed with you. That is such a huge compliment coming from the person that you are and, and reading your story is just phenomenal. So I just wanted to share that with you. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Um, normally uh, I start off the show a little bit different because your, your, your story is so unique. Talk about what these books are about and you know, talk about your, your, your short backstory of what these are about. And then I'm going to dig into some questions that are going to surely inspire our, our audience to think better, think differently about themselves and their own past. Okay, Chris, you know, thank you very much. First of all, I'd like to say again, thank you for having me on your raw, unscripted uh, podcast show. Secondly, I'd like to say thank you to all your guests, all your listeners and viewers of your show, finding time to, to listen to me. 
it is absolutely privilege to talk to you for one simple reason. Um, for good portion of my life in Australia, I was a little bit uh, sitting like not the back in on me, but in the dark corner you know, of the of the every premises because I believe it that if I open my mouth, nobody will understand me. So I'm encouraging all your guests, feel free to you know just go on a Croatian translator, the English translator <laughs> for my for my interview. Uh, joke on the side, the, the books, I think that we all make it the books for the one simple reason. Recently, I was um, overseas on a trip with my son, as you know, for 21 days, and I survived. He survived, so like this is good thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, first of all, you know, he understand me, understand him, and on uh, on that trip, I heard that uh, Prince Harry he published his book, which he got at uh, 20 million dollars the deal. Now we, he didn't write that book, you know. The guy, you know, the, the, despite all education, everything else, he's not capable to write the book. And um, you know, the, the 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 ghostwriter comes out and say, "Yes, it was me who wrote his book." And um, you know, spend a quite time to understand. We don't have this privilege, Chris. You, me, nobody else in this life. We need to put our story as best possible we can. And I like to say thank you for everybody who actually read my book and yourself. I know that you have no time to read all these books. So my books representing that is summon the life, you know, in essence, what a life it is. And the life is a battlefield. We all facing different battles. And we have the some people have a custom to win every battle, every war. Uh, you and I, we can't. And um, you know, me being as as a, as a, just a kid, you know, in communism, who didn't know nothing better. You know, I, I believe it being the military man is uh, truly the the imperative for me. And um, 86, I was 14 years old. I just come out from the juvenile, you know, six months and my parents kicked me out on Christmas Eve. That love story was, you know, was continuing with my grandfather. So my parents was, you know, didn't know nothing better. You know, they're simple peasants, simple communist type workers, you know, waking up early in the morning, drinking a lot of alcohol, believing in better tomorrow, you know, what the party says. I wanted to believe as well. So 86, my parents kicked me out and my grandfather was... Um, kicked you out on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, exactly, because they were so drunk. You know, so drunk. Yeah, 1986. They were so drunk. And don't forget, in communism, there was no celebration of the Christmases and all these things because, you know, that's a, you know, a glorifying something what's bigger than party, the God, you know, how we can celebrate the God or the birth of, you know, Jesus Christ because the part is everything what you know what you should know so they kicked me out anyway my grandfather took me under his umbrella and my grandfather was at stage second man in communist Yugoslavia in secret police intelligence services and he sent me military school despite all my bad grades and you know being juvenile he put his name and his reputation on a line to be accepted and you know one thing leads to another you know i hope you're not going to be general <laughs> <laughs> I was General Mario. You know, yeah, General Mario, like you know, I'm gonna come conquer the US one day. I'm gonna show the the the, the Americans how great communism it is, you know. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and you know, like my big mouth and um, you know, bad grades, you know, actually led me to the uh summer school. Summer school was it being um consist was consisted from Attending the schools for the special gifted kids, right, in military school, which basically was 
they recruited you for the intelligence services, but not for the smart guys in, in the office. You'll yeah. one day travel outside of the country and you're gonna solve these problems, right? Like in the movies. And at that stage, I didn't know what it is, but they're teaching you all this funny stuff, you know, how to poison people, you know, how to set up the explosion apartment, you know, how to read the invisible ink and these things. You know, when you're 15, 16, 17 years old guy, that's what the life it is. At that stage, I didn't know that actually Yugoslavia is falling apart. As we know, the Berlin Wall fell. Uh, last bastion, 1990, the Romania goes into the civil war for a couple of days, and then Yugoslavia started they you know, crumble and uh, like a like an apple pie, you know, dry <laughs> apple pie just crumbles everywhere. And the civil war started. And as I mentioned in my books, um, I didn't choose the war, war chose me and I uh, had only one choice. Uh, that's what it is to fight for democracy because democracy for me at this stage definition was America McDonald's, Coke, you know, and, and uh, Nike. Don't forget Nike. You and Nike, of course. You know, <laughs> I have the box. I, can you imagine? Like I was having the box of the shoes, shoe box. Sorry, Nike, and I was I was keeping keeping that box for ages. You know, they never have shoes before. So anyway, 1991, 14 July, my parents they fled uh, Croatia. They left me message if we are okay, and at that morning I went into war. So that's the start of my career. Mm, let's talk. Let's go to war. 18 years old. I mean, that's, that's, and I, I think back to when I was 18 years old, I was just coming out of being homeless for four years. Didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground. I can't even imagine my friends were enlisting and they're like, Chris, why don't you think about enlisting? I'm like, there's no way I could take orders from somebody. There's no way I would cut my hair. There is no yeah. way you could get me anywhere near somebody who would spit in my face. Cause I would punch them in the throat and that would be it. That That's the way I was back in those days. Kind of yeah. still am a little bit, uh, but you know, being 18 years old, Talk to us about that relationship with your parents. You kind of glossed over it a bit. Um, what was your relationship like with mom and dad? Talk to us about that because I mean that's that's just unconscionable. But at the same time, look at the beautiful person you became. You know, I am very grateful you asked me this question. <clears throat> As I mentioned at the beginning, I truly believe I'm just going to reflect something else. I spent now 21 days with my son on on road. He's going to be 20 years old in February, and I was watching him while he traveled. <laughs> how he looks like you know that 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 soft skin you know soft spoken all this arrogance you know that testosterone you know like and all these hormones and i think myself i was exactly like him when i went in the war and i still i'm like a hawk like you like every parent you know just try to be over their kids so when you ask for my parents look my parents was they they only knew the things they knew my father was a great worker. He was a great welder, but he was a believer in communism. He was even the president of the union. <laughs> so when somebody mentioned me union, I figured about my father who didn't know how to, you know, sign himself. He didn't know how to make a signature of his name properly. Um, that's how he, he has a four grades of uh, four grades of school, and he was alcoholic, heavy alcoholic. And my mom, she was. Uh, 16 is younger than him. Obviously, my dad loves the younger girls. Yeah. Um, hoping, hoping's gonna, you know, he was married the girl of the guy who was in communism, uh, very highly positioned, but they didn't make enough, you know, that the, the life consisted from, you know, drinking. My mom, she was a kleptoman, she was stealing quite a lot. But look, you know, they loved each other, they supported each other in all these endeavors. I, I couldn't stand them together. Um, <laughs> but you know, I forgive them. And, you know, the, the the highlights of my parents, you know, life in my parents was 
you know, they're telling me they, there's never enough money to buy me something because, but they have it for the smokes, for the coffee, for the um, alcohol and everything else. Right. Um, and, and then my mom, she will, my father has a, you know, very distinguished uh, way to show me love by breaking the chairs on me, the tables, you know, I mean, like in the, the furniture. <laughs> that was for him, you know, normal. That was uh, his extracurriculum activity. And my father was a midget man, literally. He was, I think it was a five five foot two, you know. I mean, sometimes it was my mom. She was like a quiet, you know, gigantic woman. Um, <laughs> like so like young I, women I, and I, tall I, women. Yeah, like I don't know who is who was in charge there, but <laughs> that was a day. That was a day, you know, the national sport. You know, was a how to how to um, inflict me more pain as possible, and you know, I could turn the same way. You know, like my parents, uh, Chris. I'm pretty sure you know what a. Uh, means to have the parents who are looking after themselves, not after the children. Exactly. Uh, 100%. You know, I, so like, you know, I don't need to, nobody uh, share the, you know, teach the lessons about life. You know, parents, we get the parents. We don't choose them. We get them by the birth. Um, for me, it was difficult to understand why my parents doing this, what they're doing and blaming me for everyday misfortune. But I didn't know nothing better. And, um, you know, I consider my father, coward for many many years because he abandoned me like with the war started my mom and my dad i couldn't understand how he can how he can leave your kid chris could you leave uh, i'm asking your audience feel free tell the chris Fuck would no. you leave your Never. kid not in a million years if the war starts in i mean down and and drain and and as i say i was 18 years old like you know i had a sex first sex you know that was a good thing so like yeah <laughs> At least I was a virgin. All anyway. 30 seconds of it, right? Yeah, like it was like, <laughs> that was like, hey. That's what I remember my first uh, time. It was like 30 yeah. seconds. I was like, wow, that was really neat. I want to do that. Hey, look, that 30 seconds, that story about 30 seconds lasted for years. You know, that was the best sex for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like I consider myself, my father, the coward, but actually then I realized later in my life, he was a very brave man because you need to have the courage and bravery to be coward because you need to convince yourself that what you're doing is the right thing. And I know one thing uh, later in life, he, he wasn't alive much long after I met him first time in 93. He was, for two years, disappeared from my life. He, he didn't exist. Um, but I remember in some moments before he died, he told me, I wish this, I wish that. And I said to him, well, now it's a little bit too late, you know what I mean? Because you're going to die in the next couple of hours, a couple of days. So, like, you know, whatever you're wishing, it's, I know I'm never going to be a man like you. So, my lesson from this is, doesn't matter how difficult it is, doesn't matter how life uh, position himself towards you and gives you obstacles and, and the minefields. And you, Chris, will agree with me. Doesn't matter how much we plan, that's what I learned in the military. Doesn't matter how much we plan. And the moment we left army barracks, the plane was in the drain. It was just like it disappeared, right? I got that out of that book. Is, but with the kids, you can always have the plan. That plan is to love them. Love yes. them, care for them. Doesn't matter how these difficult it is, how life it tried to destroy you or the people around you, but the love towards the kid, it should be, you know unflinching and yes. that's what the my lesson is even today for everybody if somebody disagree feel free let the chris know and he's <laughs> gonna let me know <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think anybody would disagree but um dude seriously and when you think about that i don't want you to gloss over this so you're 18 years old you wake up in the morning you go out to the to the main room actually you sleep in the living room right and there's a there's a piece of paper I, I, don't, I don't i don't want you to gloss over this you're 18 years old the war is coming and 
you have you have a sibling, right? Yes, younger brother here. Yeah. Younger brother. So so you wake up and there's a piece of paper. Talk to us about that piece of paper. And then after that, I want you to talk about how you how you have forgiveness for your parents. You said earlier, I forgive my parents. So I want to talk about that, how you see that piece of paper and then how through the mental abuse, the physical abuse, the neglect, everything that you experience, which is I can't tell you guys enough to, to get these books. I'm going to put the links in the show notes. But these two books, True Price or let's see, Blood Soaked Soil and The True Price of Freedom. Holy moly. So talk to us about that. You wake up, you see this note. And then the second part of that question is how do we find forgiveness in people who treat us in such a way that is really despicable? Look, I, you know, the life before that, that very moment was like a notebook movie, right? You know, I mean, everything was beautiful. Then suddenly it's crashing down that, that, that my, the girlfriend I had a sex for 30 seconds was, you know, she's, you know, she was the love of my life. You know, I, I built a castle in the sky, you know, like we, we already had a family and many kids. We already baked the plans for everything. What did happen? Um, and you can relate this in uh, what's it calling civil war in the in, uh, US. Mm -hmm. That very moment, we Yugoslavia was consists from six republics and two territories, and we are all being brought as a brothers and sisters and the belief, you know, the party is the greatest thing and we're gonna live forever, and uh, you know, we're gonna crush America and everybody else. But you know, life it's different. Um, night before I find out my girlfriend she's fleeing to Serbia because she belongs to different nationality, which I knew it. But at that very moment, that was no problem in Yugoslavia. That day before becomes a problem because the Serbians become my enemies, you know, I mean, my enemies. And, you know, I was educated in military school to defend the constitution of Yugoslavia. It doesn't matter what part of your nationality you are, what religion you are, and everything else. So I believe we all we are brothers and sisters. Well, well, how wrong I was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so the war broke out on the 14th of July for me and uh, I wake up in the morning I, I heard that loud banging on the door like <laughs> like you know like James Bond and he will do all this magic you know jumping from the balcony anyway I couldn't couldn't jump nowhere because I was drunk um, day before and uh, I opened the door there was a military police and a civilian police at that stage in Croatia was a two different civilian police Croatian police and um Police, right? It's like it's just—he didn't know what's happening. It was just like a mess, you know. I mean, it was a duplication of everything. You know? I mean, independence declared, and you know, but Croatia didn't have the army, and the military police uh, comes to me and they told me I need to report myself into army barracks, you know, otherwise they're gonna get a bullet. Literally, get a bullet. I didn't say this in a, in a, uh, in a book because it doesn't sound right. You know, I mean that. Um, but I, I tried to explain us like I'm a, I'm a cadet, you know, I mean, in a military school. He said, like, yeah, fuck you, you know, I mean, in a military school, you know, you've been assigned to the infantry, you know, are you going to be the commanding officer? And I'm like, fuck, you know, that, that doesn't sound fucking good, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> I'll and, pass. Uh, thank you, but go to the next door. <laughs> correct, you know, I mean, I already know that the uh, uh, army barracks was under some type of the semi siege by the Croatian uh, forces, uh, police forces, right, which is uh, Minister of Interior. And uh, that was like a special forces, you know, the first armed force was special forces of Minister of Interior. And I said to myself, fuck, you know, that doesn't look fucking right. You know, I mean, it's like, look, I, you know, I need to dress myself. We're coming two hours. It's like I come in army barracks, long story short. And the couple tried to wing, you know, wink me. And I said, what the fuck is that sign? You know, it was happening. Yeah. So I'm looking to the balcony. I'm seeing that my neighbors, seven neighbors, they're packing their the cars, the fleeing, you know, like, you know, like, like a Moses on Red Sea, you can see in the movies, like, you know, yeah. crashes one side, Serbs, Yugoslavs, and everybody else on the other side. Uh, my cities was being under besieged by the military. It was a tampon zone, but you have the uh, uh, Serbian rebels, you know, other side, Croatian Min Ministry of Interior Forces on the other side. 
So it was a quite confusing situation. Now we all believe that it's going to be uh, Croatia going to declare independence. We're going to become a, a federation, like a true federation, right? You yeah. know, and then the one umbrella of Yugoslavia. But army was sort of army becomes sort of the um, the tool in creating the greater Serbia at that stage, actually, which, which we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's time to settle old scores. But how are we going to settle old scores? We're going in First World War because, you know, Croatia was inside of Austro-Hungarian monarchy. But that was not good enough. You know, let's go settle scores a little bit more recent. Let's go go Second World War. Croatia was inside of Germans, right? And Croatia has a two concentration camps and the millions of the Jews and gypsies and Serbs was being slaughtered. That's a, that's a reality. That's a truth. But, you know, of course, we need to wash the sins of our grandfathers. And um, I got uh, in kitchen and I found the message. And the message says, we are okay. And that's it. Fuck off. You know what I mean? It's like, what? <laughs> your <laughs> what parents left you that message. We are okay. But yeah. they left you. They took they took your brother and they left you. How did that's that feel right. in that moment? Like hungry, oh. hungry. Fridge was fucking empty. Empty, empty. I was so hungry because I was drunk like before. And I tried to figure out what's happening. So like, you know, I grabbed them, make a coffee, have a smoke. Um, and uh, I tried to understand what's happening. But as you, as you audience will appreciate, 1991, there was no mobile phones. There was nothing, you know what I mean? And, yeah. um, you know, you can't reach them. You know, I can send them, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the letter to somebody, but who, I don't know where they are. Right. Um, and then I went downstairs in my local coffee shop and, you know, as I say, like one side Serbs, one side Croatians, matter where you're going to go, what you're going to do, what you're going to decide, you're going to fight for democracy. And I was like, where the fuck my parents are, you know what I mean? And the people yeah. who who knew I didn't want to tell me nothing, my grandfather told me that who was living a couple buildings far away from us. So that's the father of my mother. He said, I don't know where she's gone. I said, like, Everybody like my grandfather was a very sick man that stage and diabetes and his wife and everything else. And I was like, okay, so what are I gonna do now, Chris? First, I have yeah. no food, I have no money. I need to report army barracks. Obviously, I'm gonna get a bullet because I'm Croatian, and they will obviously use every opportunity to put me as a cannon fodder against the Croatian forces. And uh, I decide to f- go fight for democracy. So, like, you know, a few hours later, I was on a bus for the training camp of the Special Forces of Minister Interior of Republic of Croatia. But that was all happening. Like, in, I can't explain to you anymore. Boom, like boom, that. boom, boom. It was like, wow, you just wake up and your life changed overnight. Literally. Right. Overnight, I'm still thinking about that note. And seven days later, I, I, you know, like imagine now just watching the movie and some you are in a dark, confined space, metal space. And all looking, all, all what you can hear is a the bullets hitting that metal plates. That's armored personal vehicle. Wow. And suddenly doors are open. Seven days later, open. And you can just see a, and you see the bodies there. And everybody says to me, lie down back. And I said, fuck, you know, this is the war. Like, and I was, I was believing I'm gonna be fucking rumble. In contrary, like I was more on, I fucking took it the biggest machine gun. It's M42 German one in a 7.9. I mean, it's just a fucking 13 kilos, man. You know, I mean, I was 18 18 years old. You're holding a machine gun. Yeah, like, you know, like fucking the 500 bullets belting. I mean, like, I'm gonna, when I run out of that, that armor personnel vehicle, like it was like a D day. Um, landing in, I mean, against the Germans. The the bullets are flying, and I see that dead soldier. 
um, you know, Yugoslav army was dying, and everybody says to me, shoot him one more time, like, how gonna shoot him? Like, I was so afraid, I was petrified. And then I realized the war is not what we saw on the movies. Yeah. And um, I was still thinking about that note about my parents, and I was thinking quite a long time about that note, because I couldn't, I couldn't realize where they are. I heard from them seven months later through the some phone, some neighbors, whatever it was. So, yeah. mm. so in, in that process, and thank you for sharing that, Mario. It's just absolutely, I mean, you guys got to read the book. He's, <laughs> he's not even doing it justice. There's so much in there. There is mm. so much to unpack. Like literally we could have a seven hour conversation. I told you, Mario, I said, we usually do a 45 to an hour show, yeah. but we might go seven hours. So, um, <laughs> So in thinking about that, you know, there's something that I, I, I'm not, I'm like, I'm, I hope I don't catch you off guard, but I asked you at the beginning of the show, Please. if there's anything off, off, off topic, the one thing I want to ask you is what's your relationship with your brother? I mean, why did they take your brother versus you and not take you? I mean, was there something like, was there adversarial? It's very stuff? simple. Like it's very simple. Like, you know, like he, he was a favorite one. He was, a uh, you know, the guy who is um, younger favorite and uh, he was a future for them obviously so like you know my parents have always been in you know those ones who told me that they are embarrassed for me look chris i, I in i learned one thing in my life but that is uh sobbing sob sob stories doesn't work with me with nobody because i can genuinely understand people what they're going through in their life what they experience and uh, but we all have the parents what we have we all have the life uh decisions to do you don't choose parents; you get them by the bird. But life decisions—it's—it's it's your own fault or your own rewards, as you appreciate, right? Yeah. My brother was uh, six years younger than me. Um, he was just an accident by my my parents. Uh, sorry, plane accident because in communism you need to get enough enough points to get uh, the place to leave. So government gives you the unit, whatever it is. So my parents to get, I think, twenty-five points. They need to make another child. So. They <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, the Sounds like a fucking rewards card, man. Yeah, like and but you know, like I remember on the last last time when I saw my mother, 2008 on my birthday, um, I was in Croatia um, to to visit them, and my mom she told me, um, I wish the day you were born, you just slipped down from my vagina and hit the towels on the floor and die, and that was my mom's last words, and I tried to understand. You know, I felt devastated when she told me this, and because I tried to understand what I done to them, what I done to them, and the Christian, you know, whatever I did in my life, have I embarrassed them? Absolutely. Have I was bad person, terrible person? Yes, I did. I stabbed the guy. I was thirty and a half years old. I stabbed him with screwdriver twice because of the somebody or the older guys told me to do it. I did, oh. you know, because I was thinking to myself, that's a cool, you know, was gonna love me, but you know, when the police come to you, just like <laughs> I read that, police, I was like, yeah, what? Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so like you know, and I was a petit a petitive, you know, like I was done all this one. Can I justify this now? Like I wanted to be loved, perhaps. Yeah. You know, I mean, could I justify nobody loved me? Perhaps, but who cares? I done a decision deliberately, purposely, consciously to do these things, and I harm people on that part. My parents could choose to be different parents, but as I said, like my father chose to be the true father, and you know, to exercise on me. The all possible powers because I do remember '93 when we met uh, for the very first time. I was a different boy, and I would say to people, people don't understand when you go in a war. Doesn't matter what type of war you age, and I age in two years, like uh, like at least ten years. And my father tried to be my father that stage. He tried to be, you know, the you know I know everything, and you know he put a hand on me and I took his hand and said, "This is the last time you ever, ever touch me." in my life yeah. and then i saw the man who was 
very brave because my father was one of these type of fathers who who will tell you, Chris, you motherfucker, you embarrass me. Go smash this guy. Chris, go fucking do this. Go do this. But when it comes to crunch time, your father will not be there. Yeah. And that's kind of understand those daddies, you know what I mean, who are the big on the paper, you know what I mean, but they will make it, they uh, misery, will leave their misery of life to their children, you know what I mean, make their children to fight their wars and everything else. My father was one of them. Before the war was like, oh, we should kill everybody. We should fight for democracy. We should blah, blah. Well, comes time for the fighting. My daddy here. My daddy says like, well, fucking, you know, I can die here. So like, I hold my wife Andy's. You know, I mean, the fucker run away. My father ran away in Germany, then Hungary, first Hungary, then Germany. They got a good money from German government, and then he comes back in Croatia, in his birthplace, which I fucking even know, man. You know, what I mean, like it's like sixty kilometers away from me. You know, like come on, man. And wow. he didn't even call me to ask me how I am, Chris. I was wounded in my head second time, you know, sorry to jump in this. And then my mom, she comes in hospital. <laughs> this is the funniest thing. And the doctor says, stop crying to my mom. She's continuously crying. And doctor says, why the fuck you're crying? He's going to be okay. She says, that's the problem. I think he's going to die so I can get uh, the car and the unit and everything else. The doctor says like, so you wanted your son to die? And she says, well, I was thinking he's going to die. That's the reason why we are here. Like, so we can, because as a mother of the fallen soldier, she... The government rewarded with a unit car, taxation free forever, and everything else. That was my mom. Wow. I was like, I'm sitting my, my eyes open, my eyes open like this. By the way, that that day I find out my girlfriend, she's married some other guy, other one, another love story. Sorry. So, like, you know, I mean, that's that's the series. She's very upset. I apologize. So, you know, that was that was the life, Chris. You know, I mean, and I couldn't laugh. I couldn't understand what's happening. I couldn't understand why these people want me dead. Why that's when she left me for somebody else while I'm fighting war. I was thinking I was a hero. And, you know, that only thing I knew it was um, to be more destructive, you know, in the war and everything else. So it's yeah. more anger, fueling. And on top of the fuel goes the as well, you know, all these white lines, you know. <laughs> then goes the, the vein in the, what, in the vodka in the veins, you know. Just LSD, and you know, I was just was thinking I was invincible. That was a war for me. Mm. Wow, dude! And and you didn't even talk about that in the book, that particular part. But then they had the audacity once they found out that you were in the war to come and ask you for a favor to yeah. get you uh, to get the the papers for your dad so that they could actually return to work because they they left their jobs and then they came back and asked you because you were in the military to ask your 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 general or <laughs> Chris, something like, my, that. like I'm know. telling you, like yeah, that is there's a reason why why this has happened to me. Like you know, I didn't because if I was going with that part and just. Uh, depicting my parents as a as an enemy of the states, like you know, I mean, as a Al Capone. People not, you know, believe all this thing. But the, the thing the thing it is, um, you know, my mom she had a you know she's the best kept secret. She was, I think, uh, her lies was was more secretive than the life of Osama bin Laden before he found for ten years, right? <laughs> so deep in her fucking the caves, man. Like I'm telling you. Well, she even so reported my, your dad for going in the bathroom and listening to the radio, right? Yeah, the she reported your own was, her own husband. Yeah, because she gets the points, you know. I mean, she gets called social points. They're talking now, you know, conspiracy theories about social points. Communism has a special social points, <laughs> like you know, before the digital era. <laughs> so yeah, that? like you know, before the communism, the the radio, you know, people don't understand one thing. In communism, it must be reported. So TV was reported. You pay TV dues, you know what I mean? Uh, for the to the state TV station, even one TV 
channel, you know what I mean? Radio channel, TV channel one, yeah. radio channel and TV, only one channel, but you need to pay. So my father was having small transistor, you know, he got it from somewhere, and he will go at five o'clock in the morning to get um, the news Voice of America. And the Voice of America was being uh, broadcasted from the Austria, right? So uh, people can hear what's happening around, you know, around the world, you know, because in communism, when you're watching the news, you see that come this eight o'clock news, you know, first come the, this big globe, you know, like Earth comes out from nowhere, and then comes on behind the, like a sun, you know, from the east comes a big red star fucking shining over the globe, you know what I mean? And that's the start of the news, like, and then comes the news. And today, Communist Party Yugoslavia decided it's going to be better next year. Like, yeah, next year, right? <laughs> we're going to get more taxes because the Americans had a spaceship, you know, what I mean? yeah, we're going to have more taxes. So that was the news, you know, what I mean, and my father was listening to that radio and my mom reported him, you know, what I mean, and I do remember uh, when the secret police come, you know, what I mean, my grandfather find out the same day, but it was too late. Um, you know, my father was being destroyed. He's been bashed, you know, badly. And um, yeah, it was my mom. She got him this from anyway. My mom, they asked me in '93 to I lie, and uh, you know, I asked the favors to be reported. He was, um, they called them like a labor units, right? You know, what I mean, because uh, yeah. towards the end of '91, the Croatia was just on the brink of collapse. Uh, we have a sanctions, economical sanctions, so no weapons, no no equipment, no medicine, no nothing was bad organized crime was brewing you know with the war always come these beautiful things the drugs prostitution all this blah blah and then comes the best part comes my mom my mom <laughs> uh so they have the total collapse of the military right so they start doing the recruitment from 16 to 66 so my unit has been filled at 75 percent people 55 plus with the stomach cancer with the stomach ulcers deaf blind so we used to give these people to dig the, the trenches, you know what I mean? We're going to die, basically. It was like a bottle of the soul. So I lied, you know what I mean? For my father was there. I asked the favor so he doesn't lose the job. My mom, she lost the job. So what I did, I employed my mom in military. That was a mistake. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's a life, you know what I mean? That was a life. Jesus Christ, dude. I mean, it, your, 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 your life, we talk about my life as, as a made for movie story. Your life is like 10 times that. So talk to us about that forgiveness component. I mean, we, where you're at today, you're a father of a beautiful son. You just spent, you just spent a, a, an enormous vacation with them, uh, 19 years old. Talk to us about forgiveness and then talk to us about how you became a different parent irregardless of how you were parented. I mean, I think that's beautiful. I did the same thing. I had, you know, physical abuse in my life, mental physical abuse. I was bullied at school. I was had my ass kicked on every every street corner, everything. And my mom warned me. She goes, never have kids. And I said, why? And she goes, number one, we have thin jaws. So your their teeth will be overcrowded, which I thought was a stupid excuse. And then she said, because, and this is the thing that you'll appreciate. She says, uh, abuse runs in our family. And I looked at her and I was in my thirties and I said, the fuck it runs in our family. I said, you chose to hit me. You chose to beat the shit out of me. You chose to do those things to me in, re in, res in respect. I can sit there and look back and say they were happening for me because they made me a stronger individual. I don't condone it. I don't want to go through that a period again, but I was able to through this process of, of recognizing that it was a choice that I turned the tide. And now with my son, he's six years old, God's honest truth, never spanked him, never had to hit him. Um, we have to, you know, very, be very direct with him sometimes, but I have never laid a physical hand on him. And I'm so proud of that because there's been times where you like your instinct is like, okay, I just want to fix the situation and move on. I've had to walk out of the room, 
but I am so proud of the parent that I became. Unfortunately, my mom passed away before I became a dad. So I know she sees me spiritually. So she wasn't here to enjoy this, but talk to us about that, how you were able to find forgiveness and how you turned it around as a parent for your son. Well, I need to start the, the life starts with the death. You know what I mean? And I don't remember my, my, my father was, uh, he passed away in January, 96. And at that stage I was in hospital taking shrapnels for my mouth. Uh, long story short, I, I was made uh, uh, that stage in Croatia, and on the funeral, I was finding out that uh, the person I was with, she's pregnant, and I was hoping that was me. But uh, unfortunately, on the, on the, while they're putting the casket of my father in the grave, she explains to me, "Not with you, with somebody else, right?" And uh, yeah, well, <laughs> the life, Jesus is life, Christ, life, life is full of life is full of the. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, look, I, just I was a hug. I realized, <laughs> like, let's go like a Teletubbies, right? <laughs> um, I was blessed enough, Chris, that uh, that stage I was, uh, I realized that the environment that I'm living with, it's unforgivable. It's not about me to forgive other people, but people don't forgive you because once when you marry Bekesh, you forever marry Bekesh. Nobody cares what you're doing now. They remember you as a 12 years old. And that's a story which is most appropriate to say. Mario Becker stabbed the guy, 13 years old, or Mario Becker is now um, the, the the commanding officer in, in special forces, and uh, he saved the lives. Nobody cares for that one. That's one is better, you know. That's right. one is more more drama. Yeah, more movie, drama. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, of course, because we remember this guy. Moving forward, I think that I I'm truly thankful to to life to give me uh, the taste of of all these battles, and took me time and uh, years to understand that everything what happened to me that stage even today he led me to this moment to talk christopher Rausch. i'll tell you this in a second uh, english is not my first language as everybody knows so blas blas you know we can you know put this in context in like you know how about english it's my fifth language i come to australia in 98 wow and i come to australia in 98 as a head of intelligence for croatian government in croatian embassy in Canberra, in Australia. Wow. My English was very limited. I knew it Russian and German and, you know, some Italian and some love language, you know, hoping I'm going to find somebody because I was going to divorce. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> then, <laughs> then what's happened, you start meeting people, Chris, and you're going to meet people in your life who is going to put you down because you want to do this. Nobody can change me if I don't want to change myself. If I don't change myself, if I'm not capable to change myself and change environment, and that's what the most of people are failing in this, they're stuck in continuous same environment. The moment I left Croatia for my job, official job, government sent me, I felt relief. You know what? First thing, as, as my mom, she was now 20,000 kilometers far away. Um, everybody who I know was over there, and I, now I'm more accountable, responsible for my actions, which basically means I work in the Croatian embassy in the Department of Foreign Affairs, and every my action is being monitored by everybody in the embassy and my boss is back in Croatia. Wow. And I need to do the best possible I can, a 26 years old man, you know, mean to represent my government in a, in the right light. It took me years before I realized that everything what I did in my life, everything that's happened to my life, I asked it for. I didn't have the, you know, the Tony Robbins. In, yeah. in best case, Christopher Rausch to help me to understand because I know you coaching people and you share with me many, many things with my life. But I'm as fucking serious. 
if somebody starts bitching and moaning how life is unfair, how life is bad, it is because you chose it that one. Yeah. Don't tell me it's not possible. You know, when I you know I can go into this in a seven hours conversation with you, why it's possible is not possible. But why I said today it's important. I was in my son a few weeks ago in Croatia. And we, you know, I said to him, I need to take you for the on a, on a cemetery. You want to come with me? If you don't want to come with me, that's okay. Stay in hotel, call the chicks, you know, the the you know, they have a Tinder in Croatia. Don't worry, you know, just just do the room service for you. I <laughs> just leave you alone. Right? Yeah. He says to me, No, dad, I want to come with you. And you know, I come to one grave, to second grave, third grave. And you know, finally, in front of my son, I said to my parents, you know, oh, I forgive you. Now I know that you didn't know nothing better, and I don't blame you anymore. I truly don't blame me anymore because as much as life it gave me not to me to everybody let's understand um life gives you everything what you need in that very moment but what life gave me in the last five years is the people i truly needed and you know the thing it is the you know yourself mother of my child uh, Robert Brass, uh, Klaus Smallman, Troy Whitford, big professors who put me into direction you know, to educate myself, to do my master's, you know, to, to go my PhD, you know, like me, I never believe in that one, to write the books to people. So it's not what you are by nature, but by nurture. And I decided that I will stick myself with the people who I, like yourself, and I say again, you know, today I'm running my own podcast studio with the people who are more qualified than me, the people who are believing me, to, who told me, don't worry for your English, shit English, forgive yourself, and you're gonna do better. And you know, Chris, what forgiveness, it's you know, as a as a was it called uh Vin Diesel in the movie, uh, Man on Fire, it's between them and God, you know. What I mean, I just arranged a meeting, it's bullshit. So while I was in Croatia, I saw my son, you know, he was sleeping on the bed. I mean, he's a diabetic, you know, I mean he needs to wake up, you know, he has all these sweets, you know, and then he realized I ate all his sweets, so he's pissed off. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was looking at him, I said to him, I said, like, listen, dude. I know that life I gave you is not the best. I'm not the best father in the world. I'm not the boy with a fucking manual. Yeah. <laughs> but if you if you want to be better man than me, you are. That you are fighting every day. You know that your odds. You're fighting uh, your battles and everybody else. And I realize my job through my books is to <clears throat> not inspire the people. Sorry, I'm a little bit emotional. Not just to inspire or motivate people. If you want a motivation, inspiration, go on a fucking YouTube. There's yeah. a plenty of these influences. If you want to just get a Tony, Tony, Tony Robbins, you know what I mean, and his books, you just read his books, everything's beautiful there. It is fucking not. When the, you realize that moment you're born, you give the deadliest diagnosis, you're going to die. And life is so precious. It's so short. And if you want to spend the rest of your life grudging and fucking hating people around you, go for it. That's what you are. Because my father, Chris, I remember, I buried everybody I know, Chris, in my life. Like literally, wow. I said to every my friend is dead, you know, and, and you know, they lost the purpose one day when they left military. They lost the purpose. They start doing things. They, wow, they're never going to do the drugs, the, the, you know, the robberies. They become the fucking big deals, you know, mafiosos and everything else. If you don't have the purpose, you know, your life, be, be upset, be angry with everybody, blame everybody. But you know what? Nobody gives a fuck. And I was an expert, Chris, and trust me, thank you for asking this. 
if if I can make the manual about blaming the world, it's me, me, Mario Bekesh. Yeah. You know, and if I was go to all these big secret meetings, you know, I mean, of the people and the, and the presentations, no, you don't. You need a one person to change your life, like yourself. You're gonna change one person life at a time. My life is changed as well with a few people who are better than me in every aspect of my life. You know, they believe in me. They told me, go in, in university. Um, I hate my mom. My, it's my mom's fault. How long I can need to blame my mom? <laughs> exactly. I love that. It's so true. How I mean, we sit, there, we sit there and blame so many other people for our past. It's like, how can you get? How can you get over yourself if you if you if you blame everybody else and you take the power away from yourself, right? So when you sit there and accept responsibility, here's where I'm at. What can I do today in order to change what it was in the past? The past is just electrical energy in our brain. There's no physical evidence of the past. It's all in how we view it. If you, like I always tell people, where you know, energy flows where focus goes. So if you focus on being a victim, you're going to continue to be a victim. But if you change and you get empowered like you did and sat there and said, hey, listen, whatever this, whatever is issue is going to face me, I'm going to go head on into it. And which is what you've done. I mean, that's pretty tremendous. So talk to us about the fact in everything that you've been through, there had to have been a tremendous amount of fear. And, and, and we talk about in life, you know, so many people are afraid. I, I started the show off today talking about, you know, if you're afraid of something, go towards it, don't run from it. Talk to us about how we can overcome our perspective about fear and failing and making mistakes in order to see that it's a, it's a way to, uh, they're stepping stones for our growth, right? You know, when we go into our fear, we go into our mistakes and we go into our failures, supposedly, if we learn from them, then they're actually educational opportunities. So talk to us about how we can overcome our fear, our fear of failure, our fear of make, making mistakes and our fear of, of success, perhaps. Look, I, you know, I heard many, many uh, great public speakers who say, um, fell back, you know, fell back or fell on your face or fear is good, uh, you know, fear. Look, it's, it's a part of emotion. You know what I mean, and the fear—it's really product of our imagination. If you're really afraid of something, that that fear is gonna eventuate. Um, you know, I, I just gonna go to this emotion. Um, recently, this uh, me this year, I had a cancer scare, and that was the very first time when I said to myself, "Fuck, I should not smoking, I should not drinking, I should not do this, I should not do that." You know what? I walk in the doctor, so like whatever it is there, I need to get. Uh, you know, I'm gonna get the news. You know, either this or that. Right. Anyway, I was lucky enough. And she says to me, I'll see you next year. I said, Oh God, okay. Yeah. You know, she says to me, please, when you're walking out, I want you to make sure that all these people uh, outside, they don't see your emotions. You know, I mean, just walk out and don't worry because everybody has, after you comes for the bad news. You're the number one first in the morning. And that's a good news. Everybody else is a bad news. Yeah. And I was like, shit, man, I was afraid. As I was walking out, I said to myself, okay, so, I was a brave enough to go in the war. No, I wasn't, Chris. If somebody says to me that I was the bravest guy in the world, in a war, no, I wasn't. I was afraid. And there was a more moments in the war when I was crying. And you know, I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit this. I prayed every moment, God, please let me survive this night. <laughs> let me survive this night. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lit a candle, you know, I I'm gonna help the homeless, you know, try to make a deal with the God. It doesn't work that way. It is it is your adaptation to the environment and your life. Fear, it's okay. And if somebody says he's not afraid, he's a liar. I'm oh, telling yeah. you, he's a fucking liar. Mm -hmm. If any man comes to me, you know, like I say, I'm not afraid of nothing, dude. You will be afraid. I'm guarantee you. <laughs> so if it's a gun to your head, you're gonna be afraid. Look, I've been putting not the war, but after the war, I've been in some trainings. I've been in some trainings where they literally torture my my body and my soul. 
writing my second book, explained the partial. Oh, yeah. And I was afraid. The Green Beret and, training. Right? Yeah, like, you know what I mean? And I was afraid when I was jumping from the plane. Trust me. In the air, I was screaming when I landed. Man, rumble. Like, I just landed from the other are we gonna repeat later on? I was like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, I was looking for excuses. I think we need to all we need to uh, face the fears. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh fear is it's hard, it's difficult when you get the bad news, um, even good news. But as I said, like fear it's a part of growing up, it's a part of your resilience part, part to resilience. Uh, there is no moment in your life that you're going to uh, face everything is okay. We are, Chris, you agree with me. You have the many clients, many people who talk. Oh, yeah. When everything is a pink and rosy, everybody's a fucking general. Everybody. But when the things start hitting your face, and I realized now when I was in my son on trip, I'm 50 years old, man, and uh, I couldn't do some things. And I was a little bit, you know, afraid. I didn't know. Nobody can teach it not to be afraid. You can control the pain. Pain is controllable because pain is literally in, in your body. And it doesn't matter uh, how much you are going through the ordeal of pain, pain you can control until you can't something manage your doctor or the hospital or something like this. But fear, it's a pure in our head. If you yeah. want to be afraid, you're going to be afraid. If you're afraid, be afraid. Cry. I cried in a war. I cried, you know, like when I was wounded. You know, I saw the many men who were dying in my arms, several men that died. And when I heard the last words of every man was a mother, I was just shocked, you know what I mean? Because I couldn't handle, you know, if I died, I need to call my mom, you know, that was for me. Yeah. But reality <laughs> is, every dying man was asking for his mother, not for the child, not for the wife, for the mother. Yeah. And uh, I realized there's something, some connection between the man and and the woman you know i mean in general speaking mother yeah. son or yeah. husband wife or whatever it is there is something connection some symbiosis of some things and if i'm afraid if my son is afraid i feel that fear i can see it right you know what i mean yeah and i say chris it's okay to be afraid and if somebody says he's not afraid let just send him to to me i'm gonna explain <laughs> lies, minutes with mario yeah lies you know chris you know everybody's a big deal on the camera everybody knows to whisper you was you saying a few minutes ago i couldn't go in the army and they let somebody spit in my face and push me do the push-ups and everything else do you know why they're doing this it's not because you know because they have nothing better to do because they want to articulate message to one person so everybody else can hear it yeah, you know what I mean. And if you don't understand the military, military it's a purpose. Your purpose in military is not to make a happy Chris or Mario or Rob or you know me Santa Claus. It's to make a happy government. Government is a happy. Why? Because they can sleep, they can steal, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Right. You know what I mean? They have a longer stick in the hand. They can fucking slap somebody because the military is dead already. That's what the military is. The military says you don't feel the you don't feel the pain. Yes, you feel the pain, but they don't want your pain comes from your private life into military. Uh, uh, lifestyle. They don't want you, your emotions, your girlfriend, she dump you so you can fucking cry me here. There's no crying here. You yeah. know what I mean? You're going to cry when we tell to cry. So that's, it's everything, it's a compartment in the military. Everything is put in compartments and you you don't open these drawers because you're not allowed to open these drawers. You and I can and I'm telling you, fear, it's okay. You will overcome fear only if you decided to overcome and you realize you have the one life, you have the you know, the moment you're born to the moment you die, you know, I mean, every day you have the same exact amount of time, seconds, minutes, whatever you want to call, you know, I mean, live your life. 
doesn't yeah. matter what you do, you're born with deadly diagnosis, you're gonna die. Me, you, and everybody. But what you can do, it's teach people legacy, like a Chris you're doing with your son, and oh, yeah. tell me, do you enjoy talking to your son? Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, every day. I, this COVID thing, the worst part of the COVID thing is I cannot hug my son. I we we actually have I stay upstairs. I haven't been talking that much during this interview because I, I want you to talk. Um, but literally the toughest part for having COVID is I'm quarantining upstairs. My wife's been sleeping in the guest room, is I can't hug and kiss my son. And I, I, I just, I absolutely, I told her today and it gives my, give my hair stands up on my arm. I can't hug and kiss. I'm like, I just want to be with my family, you know, cause family's so important. I mean, it's, there's, there's no, there was no replacing that. He is my why he's my wife for taking better care of myself. He's my wife for advocating for everybody to do better in their lives and to make this world a better place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're talking about fear. You have faced fear so much and you have faced death so much. So let me ask you this, Mr. Mario, mm -hmm. what are you afraid of now? And how, how are you afraid of now? Number one. And then how is your perspective about death now? So what's I, your biggest fear? And then what do you, what, what's your perspective about death? Um, I, I'm advising everybody to, <clears throat> to um, again, need to reflect something from the trip. So I took in my son, you know, in my, 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 my town, my birthplace, you know, and he says to me, dad, this is such a small city. I'm <laughs> so like, what do you think I was born in New York? You know, I mean, right. like it's a, it's 75,000, um, uh, citizens in that city but we went in in the old church which was being which has been erected in 14th century um uh based so all bones of the dead people die from the plague you know from the black plague and you can see a lot of dead bones you know the sorry the bones from dead people's skulls and everything else and i said to my son this is what we become this this is what it is this is our life you know we are born small and fragile and you know that's what we're going to become just the bones you know what i mean and someone's going to use it as a structure for the church like in croatia <laughs> but uh, am i afraid of the dying yes i am yes i am yes i am i'll be i'll be honest with you not for the purpose of you know i'll not be able to talk to you or my son or my friend rob or you know people around me i'm afraid that i will not have enough time um, to pass all my knowledge experience to other people. But one thing certainly makes me makes me happy. Every moment when I close my eyes, now on a trip, and I'm seeing my son, and I call him midget. He's not midget, he's a taller than me. He's a six foot ten. He's a he's a big unit. And I don't even know who is his daddy anymore. But okay, Jackson side, uh, I saw that he's become better man than I will ever become. And that whatever I injected into him inserted on my schooling or my education or my stories um he's gonna use this for the better good for the, this planet and i can't you know I, I i believe there's a some different life after this i choose to believe yeah so do I. that as much as is normal it's not normal because we all you know love to uh, think we're gonna live forever and i said to people live every day um work every day I'm gonna quote now my friend, and you met him, Rob. He has a two fucking speeds. He's for him is like everything's working and sleeping. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And just it just doesn't make sense what he said that, but that's okay. But sometimes I want people understand. Doesn't matter how much effort you put, we our time is limited on this yeah. planet. Live the life, live the legacy, write the books, educate the kids, be the kind to the people around you because uh the death is imminent it's certain 
and you know if you think that you're gonna be like uh yesterday you're gonna be today like uh 10 days ago or not you're gonna be older you're gonna be wiser and uh, surround yourself with the people that's another thing i learned surround yourself with the people who's gonna bring bring best in you like chris and me and that's like i enjoy talking to you and enjoying your channel i'm enjoying how you're talking to the your guests you know like it this is what you know, again, I need to quote, I had quoted this person, Rob Brass, again, shit, man. I mean, because it's been too much, too much time with him, but you and I will be doing, and this is the courage you display, Chris. Uh, we are creating a time, time capsule, right? We are recording everything what's happening in our life. And one day, 20, 30, 40 time after our, we go and meet our maker, this video is going to stay for the future generation yeah makes sense and makes a lot sense. of people like my father you know god bless his soul when he was dying you know he was he wanted to so much to tell me so much to share me but it was not enough time and i said to him it's okay dad you know i mean it's you know i need to go to hospital tomorrow do my surgery um take the shots from my mouth you know see when i come out of hospital I, somehow i knew it, that won't happen and i realized he died very young 59 years old and he chose it to die. He chose to die. Yeah. He chose all his life. He was choosing to start a back and not to realize his dreams. And what I admire you, Chris, and people I'm surrounded is that people from nothing creating something. And this is the something I enjoy doing today. Sharing my wisdom, my life story to the social media channel like yourself, to your listeners. And if one soul says today, I understand that life is a battle and I need to go to these battles and you're going to have the times of relaxation, recuperation, but you can't win every battle, but with every battle you can make it more allies like I get friendship in you and other people. At the end of the day, the war is your legacy and your family. Mm. Mario, dude, I could sit here and talk to you for hours and hours and hours. I still have another 35 questions to ask you, but uh, in the interest of protecting your time and, and the and everybody who's watching and listening on the yeah. podcast, um, what what is what is if you had if you in the in today's world and to say today's society and everything that's going on, you experienced so much. You know, you talked about the the Serbs and all the different labels that we put on things, right? You know, us versus them. Here in the United States right now, we got the left versus the right, and you know they're talking about yeah. the American Civil War and people taking arms and all these other things. What advice do you have for people right now who are who are thinking that that is a positive way to go to to divide? Do you think that we should be in tribes, or do you think there is a world community where we can get away from having these labels and actually just realize that we're more the same than we are different? What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I, when you were talking about, when I was reading about your girlfriend being Serbian, I was like, so what, you know, why does that fucking matter? You know, we're all human beings. We're all here having a, we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. What does it matter? What color, what shape, what political party, what sexual orientation, what anything that we are, do you see there's going to be a point in the world where we're going to be able to have that, that true homogenization, I guess it is, um, where we can all come together and not be so us versus them. I, I can say this from the from from the different level. Um, the war itself, it, it's 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 hell. Hell is a war, and uh, in war nobody goes. Politicians doesn't go in a war, and their family doesn't go in a war. They are there to profit, to make money, and you know enjoy the life. 
The tragedy with every conflict, doesn't matter how brutal or aggressive or violent it is, whatever's happened prior to the war is going to happen after the war. So everything was, what was alive before the, any conflict is going to be the after the conflict. So doesn't matter, you know, look at the Second World War, which is very um, close to us. You know, we fought, you know, the Nazis and the Japanese and everything else. And the war, world has come together in different shape or forms. So it's come back again into the same borders, same, you know, original, you know, the structures and, you know, beliefs and everything else, which we are monitoring heavily not to be more, um, what's it calling them, um, uh, more radicalized, you know, I mean, everything else. So my advice to everybody is it's, before you decide to go against your neighbor, against your family member, against your friend, ask yourself a question, will your life be better once when you start taking lives? Because the pain, it's something um, we can't replace. Uh, just a quick one, 96, when the war officially finished, you know what I mean? And um, uh, peaceful integration comes across all the territories during we didn't get liberated by 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 the military operations. Um, I saw the first thing what put people together was the music. So there was a UN, you know, the Croatian sides and the occupied sides where the uh, Serbs leave and the Croatian police forces slowly coming in. First was a music, you know, musical cell, you know, between the two of them. Then, you know, families start meeting and everything else. And the pain I saw, it was unbearable because they lost the time, which nobody can return. Graves, nobody can, uh, you know, um, the, the, you can't tell nobody who is dead, you can't be alive anymore. Um, and, you know, life it is as it is. So think about yourself, you know, look yourself in the mirror and think what you can do better to protect the people you love, not what you can do worse and how much pain you can inflict because pain goes both ways. There's nobody in any conflict, in any circumstances, unaffected. And once when the, you know, that pain becomes scream, the judgment is, is, is terrible because I'm advising everybody, look in the mirror and see what you can do to make a place better, not the worst. That's Mario Beckish, I got to say, here's the mic. Here's the microphone right there. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop, bam, mic drop. This has been a phenomenal conversation, dude. I could I could totally talk to you for hours and hours and hours. I want to have you back here on the Ron and Scripted Show. I want to have you on the Unfiltered Thank Experience Chris. because truly, guys, if you're just joining us, pardon my uh, COVID talk, but please, <laughs> I'm gonna put these I'm gonna put these books inside the uh, inside the link. Blood soaked oil. This is one, and then this is, this is a recent one. True Price of Freedom. And they are remarkable books. I read them in the last 24 hours. So they're not, you know, you're not, not going to take you weeks to read. And I can promise you that you're going to come out of this experience uh, absolutely empowered, inspired um, to be a part of the solution, not be a part of the problem. Mario, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they connect with you on social media and continue this conversation? Look, it's best way to just go on uh, my website, mariobeckers.com.au. Or at least, you know, like if you like to, you know, see the, how beautiful I am, you know, in some of my videos as well, uh, you can come on Instagram, Mario Beckers, or the YouTube, Mario Beckers as well. Yes, yes. Instagram, Mario Beckers, uh, and then www.mariobeckers.com.au. The links okay. and everything will be in the show notes for you guys who are listening on the audio podcast or who are not watching here on the video podcast. Mario, brother, thank you, thank you, thank you for thank being you. who you are. Thank you for sharing your story publicly. Thank you for being an advocate for humanity. That's something we didn't even get into. That's why I want to I want to have you back on the show because I'm a part of the, the board of directors for Help Heal Humanity, which is an international organization. And um, 
What's, what the hell did I just do? Oh, um, I took something off my screen. Uh, <laughs> I just tripped out. Maybe, like, maybe I pressed, pressed something. Press the wrong. Where'd it go? I took the comments away there first. Uh, that's good. Um, dude, you are absolutely an amazing individual. I can't thank you enough. And I'm going to put you backstage for a second. Don't go anywhere so we can still chat afterwards yeah. for a minute. But I'll put you backstage. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you to your to your guests, to your audience. Thank you for, for giving me a chance to Mario Bakers to talk to you guys today. Thank you. You got it, brother. You got it. I'll be right with you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Holy shit. We went a little bit over an hour, so I apologize for that. But I wanted you guys to really get a taste of what Mario's experience is and was uh, on the front lines of his life, the front lines of his life, the battlefield of his life. You know, think about it. He didn't even do his story initial justice. I mean, there's so many different parts that you guys must read his book and just realize that out of all this adversity, out of all this anguish and fear and, and hatred and everything else that's going on in life, you you, the one watching this, has the power within yourself to shift your perspective, to go, I'm a victim, to maybe I have an open mind, to maybe I'm a victor. You know, talk about those things, you know, shift your perspective. If you're, if you're constantly pointing fingers at everybody else, when you're pointing your finger, how many fingers are pointing back at you? Three. So like Mario was saying, the best thing that you can do when you're angry and you're frustrated about everything that's going on in the outside of the world, that's a mirror. That's a mirror to you. So when we often don't like what, if we often, when we don't like, let me try this again, COVID brain. What we don't like in others is something that we don't like in ourselves. So if you're finding yourself frustrated and bitch pissing and moaning about everything else that's going on in the world and blaming everybody else, that's an opportunity to look within yourself and to decide what it is that you can do differently. Who could you have in your life differently? What different plans and perspectives can you have about your, your past, present, and your future? How can you identify the fact that you know, one of the, the worst things in the world, and you guys who follow me on social media know that every one of my posts, I put hashtag no regrets. And Mario talked about that, that his father upon his deathbed had so many regrets that he didn't live the life that he wanted to live. He lived a life of complacency, complacency mediocrity, anger, frustration, and everything else. And then he got to the end of his life and he went, wow, I didn't really do anything. I didn't do the things I wanted to do. And that's what I want for you guys. I don't want you guys to end up with regrets. I don't want to end up with any regrets. So that means we have to take responsibility for our actions. The things that are going on within our brains right here, right? You know, I've got a tattoo that on my arm. It says, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. What doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. I had to put that on my arm in 2016. You guys know my story of all the shit I've been through. My homelessness and everything else that I went through as a teenager wasn't the end of the challenges I had. I've had lots of challenges throughout my life, lots of potential addiction problems throughout my life. But fortunately, I've been smart enough to be on the front end of those things to make sure they didn't take control of my life because I did the work. I went to therapy. I took the medications. I did the things that I needed to do. I got coaches. I got around positive people. I took, I, I let all the people go out of my life that were not serving my best interests. Here's the thing I want you guys to do. Take out a pen and paper and write down the five people that you're around the most. And then write down next to you, next to their name, are they positive or negative? They don't get anything between. Are they positive or negative? Do they do they promote you and tell you to go take your risk? Go go out and, and risk, quit your job and go do the things that you want to do. Or they, oh, play it safe. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. If you got a bunch of should have people in your life, wish them well. I wished my sister well back in 2005. I said, I can't take this. I'm not going to do it. I wish you well. She was a permanent victim in her own life. And there was not any way, shape or form. I was going to allow that, that toxicity in my life again. I already dealt with it with my mom. I wasn't going to deal with my sister. So I wished her well. And that was a tough thing to do. It's been a tough thing for me to do all throughout my life. But if somebody's not on my team, if they're not sitting there advocating for me to grow and to go take risks and to live my life and to become the no excuses coach and to wear the bandana and to swear, whatever, I wish them well. You got to have people in your life that want to advocate for your opportunity and realize that everything that has happened in your life, you have survived. 
100% of the situations in your life up until this point, we're having this conversation right now, you have survived those. And not only have you survived those through those challenges, let me ask you, what have you learned the most? Do you learn the most when things are easy and super chill? Or do you learn the most when you go through those challenges? Of course, you learn when you go through those challenges. So why not have the perspective as challenges come into your life? Why not sit there and say, what is this I'm supposed to be learning from this? Why is this lesson showing up in my life right now? Mario had a ton of lessons in his life and he became this beautiful human being that I really didn't know much of about his backstory until I read these books. And I was like, how can this guy who's so positive and so loving and so caring have gone through those experiences? I know so many people and no disrespect to my friends that are watching this who have been in war and have been in the military they come back and they have post-traumatic stress disorder and they have different things that are going on, you know, try to decide for yourself how you can mitigate that and, and realize that you have the power within yourself to try to change where it is that you're focusing on and to become that different person for yourself so that you ultimately don't have those regrets. I could go on and on about this. I love you guys. Happy new year. Apologies for the COVID brain and the sniffling and the coughing, but uh, I just appreciate you guys. And I, and I apologize. I didn't get a chance to take, to, to get to your comments here. So I'm just going to run through them real quick here. Um, thank you, Robert, for being here. Appreciate you. We had Tara Nicole in the house. She says, hi guys, considering have, considering you have COVID, you look great, Chris. Well, thank you. I am sitting here not breathing because I don't want to cough. Uh, so I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. Um, and she says here, she goes, I'm sleepy because it's late here. I wanted to drop in the show. My love for you guys and wish you both a happy new year. Can't wait to listen to the rest of the episode tomorrow. Speedy recovery, Chris. Talk to you soon. Thank you. We got Walt McKinley in the house. He says, what's going on, fellas? Let's go. Um, and uh, he says, happy brother, new year. We got uh, Robert in the house. He's saying, amen. He was digging everything. We got Adam Duvall from England. He says, what's up? Good morning from England. Thank you, Adam, for being here. I appreciate you, dude. Um, and uh, Walt says here, proud of you both for breaking the cycle, turning that pain into purpose. Walt, you know it, baby. You know it. Warrior, let's go. Or as, as, as me and Walt talk about F LFG. LFG, let's fucking go. Uh, Adam says here, finally, nice to catch you live, Christopher Roush. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're doing well. Happy New Year. Congratulations on your upcoming new addition to your family. Uh, most definitely, Walt says here, uh, anger will poison your soul. It is a powerful emotion that leads to, to a spiral. 100%, big time. Got my beautiful sister from another Mr. Tara Murney in the house. She says, hello, gentlemen. Thank you, Tara, for being here. I hope that your daughter is doing much better. Uh, send prayers and, 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 and love to Tara. Her daughter, unfortunately, had to go to the emergency room for a breathing situation. So we hope she's doing well. So thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Robert. I'm gonna get to your comments. You know I will. Got uh, Eric Swanson in the house. Chris, you're an awesome leader. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Happy New Year. Thank you for the Marco Polo messages. I've been sick with COVID, so I haven't really been doing anything with my phone. Just been, uh, actually, the last couple of days, I've been uh, reading books. Renee Gordon in the house. She says, what an inspirational message. Thank you, Renee, for being here. I appreciate you for being here. Um, and uh, Tara says, thank you for sharing. Inspired. Thank you, Tara. You are a beautiful human being. Appreciate it. And Robert says, hey, no need to apologize. Greatness, Christopher. Appreciate Robert big time. So ladies and gentlemen, this is a brand new year. This is a brand new you. Let's stop. Let's stop the finger pointing. Let's stop the blaming. Let's stop the hating. Let's stop the negativity. Let's stop listening to the news. Here's my, here's my challenge for you. Here's my new year's resolution for you. Go. Let's see how I can do this. Let's, let's go two weeks. If you watch the news every single day, let's go two weeks and don't watch the news and watch how much your life improves. Watch how much your mood improves. Watch how much you become, become a more part, part of the solution than part of the problem. we got so much shit going on in the world. We're all more the same than we are different. And we need each other right now. We all need each other to lift our spirits up and to leave this world a better place for our kids and their kids. So thank you for being here. I'm Christopher Roush. We will see you next time here on the Raw and Scripted Show. I'm gonna go back to bed and nurse my COVID crap and uh, hopefully not have to go to the hospital. I love you guys. Peace.